Hello, and welcome once again to the Main Point Ministries podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Giles. And Tracy Giles. And today is the 10th and final part of our series called The Hebraic Origins of Christianity. And our subject today is going to be God's Commandments. So let's dive right in. What would you say is the purpose of God's commandments in Scripture? Well, there are four key purposes for God's commandments in scriptures. Number one, the commandments reveal God's righteousness, basically his right actions. Number two, the commandments reveal humanity's unrighteousness, meaning wrong actions. And number three, the commandments lead us to Jesus, to Yeshua. We seek him for forgiveness and salvation. And number four, the commandments instruct us in the right way of living. They give us direction. How many commandments are in the Torah of the Old Testament? Well, generally speaking, there appears to be about 613 commands in the Old Testament Torah. These are divided up into two specific categories. Number one, you have 365 positive commandments, such as thou shalt or you shall commandments or admonitions. And then you have 248 negative commandments, thou shalt not or you shall not commands or prohibitions. How many commandments are in the New Testament? Generally speaking, there appears to be about 1,050 commands in the New Testament. Now, this is surprising to many because it is believed that the New Testament has no commands at all. However, this is not true based on a simple reading of the New Testament text. For instance, the New Testament repeats many of the Old Testament commands as continually binding obligations as follows. Matthew 15, 1-6, for instance. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift of God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. And also in Matthew 19, verse 16 through 18. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus in the New Testament continues to encourage us to not only keep many of the Old Testament commands, but to go even further as follows. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 22. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. And also in Matthew 5, verse 27 through 28. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery, 
But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Also in Matthew 5, verse 31 through 32. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. And lastly, in John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Can you give us more examples of these New Testament commands? Absolutely. But let's first define the term command. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it means to direct authoritatively by giving an order. And the absolute authority in the life of true Christians is God himself, who directs us by his word and his spirit. So what are some examples of God's commands in the New Testament scripture? Here are just a few. 1 Corinthians 10 14, for instance. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 20 through 21. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Now, what I find interesting about uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20, which we just read, is that the Greek word that is translated knowledge is Strong's G1108, which is gnosis. And it's where we get our modern English word, science. Now, the King James Version of the Bible actually translates it as science. This is interesting to me because the scientific educational system today discourages a belief in God which would make this command written thousands of years ago particularly practical today and somewhat prophetic. Now these three examples I've given are just a few of the many commands given by God in the New Testament. I could go on for hours demonstrating many more. Instead, I would encourage our audience to read through any New Testament book while simultaneously asking themselves the following question. Are these instructions in this book from God, are they optional? Are these instructions optional? If the answer is no, then it is indeed a command. Aren't the commands of God in scripture directed to the Jewish people primarily? The commands of God were actually written to the ancient nation of Israel as a whole, a nation composed not only of Jews from the tribe of Judah, which the Greek word in the New Testament is G2453, Strong's number, and it's Eudaios in the Greek, but it wasn't just to them, but it was to the other tribes of the nation as well, like the Ephraimite, the Danites, the Levites, etc., along with any Gentiles who chose to make Israel their nation, to become citizens of the nation. The commands of God were directed towards anyone who chose to serve the true and living God by accepting the atonement he provides for sin. The same is true today. The Israel of God is composed of all nationalities and tongues who choose to place their faith in Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, as the atonement for their sins and therefore become Christians. 
We see this concept supporting, supported in the following text of scripture. Numbers chapter 15, verse 16, verse 14 through 16. Numbers 15, verse 14 through 16. And if a stranger dwells with you, or whoever is among you throughout your generations, and would present an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord, just as you do, so shall he do. One ordinance shall be for you of the assembly and for the stranger who dwells with you, an ordinance forever throughout your generations. As you are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord. One law and one custom shall be for you and for the stranger who dwells with you. Also in John chapter 17, verse 20 through 21. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Also in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 29. For you all are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus you were once but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In reference to the commands listed in the Old Testament, are they still applicable today? That's a very good question, but it's not my place to answer on behalf of others. So I advise anyone wanting truth in this area to seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit for answers, because we'll all give account to God individually regarding this issue one day. And God is more than willing to guide us in this regard. The Apostle Paul put it this way in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 2, verse 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And Jesus spoke of this enabling of the Holy Spirit in regards to guiding us. He did it this way in John chapter 16, verse 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. 
Now I will share with our listeners the process I use personally in helping me to determine whether a command in the Old Testament is still applicable or still applies today. And there's seven tests or seven questions that I ask. The first one is, why was the particular command originally given? What was its purpose? That's kind of a double question, but why was the original command given? What was its purpose? The second question I ask is, was the particular command meant to only apply while ancient Israel was a federated theocracy or nation? The third question is, was the particular command meant to only apply while Israel had a physical tabernacle, a temple, and a human priesthood? The fourth question is, did the particular command serve its original purpose and is therefore now obsolete? For instance, the tithe. The fifth question is, is the particular command obsolete because of what Christ has done? For instance, the sacrificial system. The sixth question that I ask is, are there clear parallels where the particular command can be applied in today's society? For instance, the Sabbath day, which is basically taking one day per week to rest and to worship. Take one day a week off. And the seventh question that I ask is, do we see any concrete examples of the command being disallowed encouraged, disobeyed, or obeyed by Christ or the apostles. That typically will give you a good indication uh, in regards to that command, applying or not applying. Again, only God can answer the question of whether a command is still applicable or not, but I do think that going through these few questions will be helpful in determining whether a command in Scripture is still applicable. Do Christians receive salvation by keeping God's commands? Christians don't receive salvation by keeping God's commands. Our salvation comes solely by placing our faith and trust in the atoning work of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. The Apostle Paul famously put it this way in his letter to the Ephesians church in chapter 2, verse 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And he also mentions it in his letter to the Galatians in chapter 2, verse 15 through 16. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. If Christians don't receive salvation by keeping God's commands, what purpose do the commands serve in the life of the Christians? Well, the commands are the mechanism by which the Christian expresses or lives out the salvation that they have already received by faith. This all occurs through the enabling of God's Holy Spirit, whom the Christian also receives at the moment of salvation. So even though obeying the commands don't lead to salvation, salvation, on the other hand, does lead to obeying the commands. This obedience to God's command doesn't happen perfectly following salvation, but it's progressive over time as one learns more about God, learns more about his nature, his commands, and begins to grow increasingly dependent upon God's spirit. As new creations in Christ and born again children of God, it's in our spiritual DNA, so to speak, to obey God's commands in scripture. And just as children learn to crawl and then walk over time, so the Christian learns to walk in the Spirit and in God's commands in Torah over time. 
This is the exact same sentiment that was expressed by the early church leaders of Acts 15 when new Gentile believers were placing their faith in Yeshua and becoming members of the church. Acts chapter 15, verse 18 through 21. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. And the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippian church also expressed this idea of progressive spiritual growth and obedience in chapter 3 verse 12 through 14 of Philippians. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In what ways are Christians keeping the commands in Scripture without being actively aware of it in practical, everyday living? Well, this occurs for most true Christians in many ways, such as honoring your parents. This is based on Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 3, and Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. A second example is caring for the poor and needy. This is based on Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9 through 10, and James chapter 1, verse 27. The third example would be being honest in general. This is based on Exodus chapter 20, verse 15 through 16, Leviticus 19, 11, and Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 through 37. Fourth example could be having an off day from work every week in order to rest and to worship. This is based upon Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11, Mark chapter 1, verse 21, and Acts chapter 17, verse 2. The fifth example I would give is not participating in any type of slander or gossip. This is based on Proverbs chapter 16, verse 27 through 30, chapter 20, verse 19 of Proverbs, Romans chapter 1, verse 29 through 32, and 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 12 through 13. The sixth example I would give is for, uh, the ability to forgive others. This is based on Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17, and Matthew chapter 6, verse 13 through 15. And lastly, my seventh example would be taking care of the elderly. This is based on Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32. Will there ever be a time when we will obey God's commands perfectly? I do believe so. When Jesus returns as he has promised, he will fully enact the new covenant and establish his kingdom on earth. Sin and sinners, evil and evildoers will be done away with and thereby creating an environment where only righteousness can thrive. We see this concept expressed in several books of the Old Testament and in the New Testament as follows. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 22 through 23. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make return, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 through 34. Behold, 
The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. And this sentiment is repeated in the New Testament book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 1 through 8, and also in verses 22 through 27. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gate shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And finally, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 1 through 5. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. 
They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So in summary, as we wrap up this 10th and final episode of the Hebraic Origins of Christianity, uh, I'm going to summarize in seven key points. Number one, God's commands in scriptures serve four distinct purposes. Number one, they reveal God's righteousness. Number two, they reveal man's unrighteousness, mankind's unrighteousness. Number three, they lead us, they lead mankind to Jesus as Savior. They lead us to him. We seek him as a result of this. And number four, uh, they lead mankind in right living. They give us direction. The second point I'm going to give in the summary is that there are roughly 613 commands in the Old Testament Torah and over 1,050 in the New Testament. The third point of the summary is that the commands of God are not directed toward the Jewish people only, but to all of Israel, which includes all of mankind who choose to become Christians by placing their faith in Jesus, Yeshua. The fourth point of the summary is, in order to determine whether a particular command in the Old Testament, Torah, is still applicable today, one would need to ask the following questions. Why was the particular command originally given? What was its purpose? Uh, secondly, was the particular command meant to only apply while ancient Israel was a federated nation? Thirdly, was the particular command meant to only apply while Israel had a physical temple, a, t- a tabernacle, and a human priesthood? Uh, fifthly, did the particular command serve its original purpose and therefore is now obsolete, like the tithe? Um, I'm sorry, that was fourthly. This is fifthly. Is the particular command obsolete because of what Christ has done? For instance, the sacrificial system, number six. Are there clear parallels where that particular command can be applied in today's society? Like the Sabbath, taking one day per week off for work and worship. And seven, uh, do we see any concrete examples of the command being disallowed, encouraged, disobeyed, or obeyed by Christ or any of the apostles? The fifth point of the summary is keeping the commands of God doesn't cause salvation. Salvation, on the other hand, causes one to keep the commands. The sixth point of the summary, most true Christians are keeping the commands in Scripture without being actively aware of it. And the seventh and final point of our summary is there will be a day when all Christians will keep the commands in Scripture perfectly. This will occur following Jesus' return and the establishment of his eternal kingdom, his eternal kingdom, when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And with that being said, we're going to sign out. Thanks for sticking with us. This has been a long 10-part series, The Hebrew Origins of Christianity. I hope you got a lot out of it. Enjoy. Looking forward to uh, getting back with you again very soon. I'm your host, Stephen Giles. And Tracy Giles. Main Point Ministries. Have a blessed one.